Hey, what's up, everybody? And thank you for hitting the play button on the Derek Diamond Experience. And thank you for those that listen every single Thursday on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. This week, we're going to be talking fantasy football with fantasy football analyst Matt Dalkin. But first, I want to tell you about a fantastic new album from my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. It's called Murder Mystery Night and features 10 original tracks, including their new single, Carne Asada, and Twin Peaks, which happens to be the theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. Murder Mystery Night is currently available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, and Spotify. And if you're interested in booking them for shows, like them on Facebook, just search for The Unicorn Wranglers. And don't forget to follow them on both Twitter and Instagram, and those handles are at Wranglers. That's at U-W-R-A-N-G-L-E-R-S. You are listening to The Derek Diamond Experience. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of August 20th, 2015. As always, I am coming to you from the Gulf Coast of Pensacola, Florida. As you heard at the top of the show, this week I will be talking fantasy football with fantasy football analyst Matt Dalkin, and this is someone who I recently started following on Twitter, and I've been wanting to do an episode of this show focused on fantasy football because fantasy football is something that I've kind of become addicted to over the last few years. I started playing it in 2009, and since then it's been one of the top things that I look forward to every year, especially draft day. And getting to talk with someone who actually writes and does rankings and projections with fantasy was really cool to me because I got to pick his brain about his thought process, his process when he does fantasy drafts. It's just fun. I could talk fantasy football for hours. I could do an episode by myself for an hour about fantasy football. That's how much I love it. And rather than do that, I will actually turn it over to the interview right now. So sit back and enjoy this wonderful conversation I had with fantasy football analyst Matt Dalkin. We're back here with my very special guest this week, someone who I'm very excited to talk about because one of my personal favorite hobbies during football season is fantasy football, and I'm going to be chatting with someone who actually reports on fantasy football. I have Mr. Matt Dalkin on the line. Matt, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Doing well. It, it's, a, it's a little late for me. I know you're, you live on the West Coast, so it's around... Uh, 8.30 your time, and it's around 10.30 for me, so it, it's uh, it's a little late, but, you know, it's it's all good. I'm, I'll am i stay up all night to talk fantasy football, so I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So I, I mentioned you were from the West Coast. Uh, where are you calling from, and are you, have you always been, uh, like, have you always lived on the West Coast? Yeah, I grew up in the uh, Bay Area in Fremont, California, and I still currently reside here. 
I grew up a 49er fan my whole life. And uh, that's just something I've always been into since I was a kid. With my pops, I would watch it. and It's just something that's been there my whole life. Growing up a Niners fan, who was your favorite Niners player of all time? I mean, you know, the Niners weren't in the best place, you know, when I was really getting to an age where I was understanding things. But when I was young, you know, I would watch Montana, Steve Young, and I would just be amazed. And, you know, of course, with the age of my parents, I would just hear all these stories, and I had to go watch and see all these things to catch you know, these Super Bowls by Montana, Florida. I think Steve Young threw six touchdowns in one Super Bowl, and I just did my homework, and I've been in love with football ever since. I know baseball used to be known as America's pastime, and I, I still like baseball, but to me, football has really taken its place because everyone looks to everyone looks forward to football season every year it's just I don't know how to describe it and I'm sure you feel the same way but things are just a little bit better when football's on oh they're a lot better it gives me a lot more to look forward to even though you know I may put on a couple calories during the football season (laughs) but yeah it's it's ridiculous what's happened you know preseason games in the NFL are getting higher ratings and more viewers and primetime baseball games it's winding down right now you know playoff seating is coming into play and still it seems like I, I i don't know what's going on but people just they're really digging football what is your favorite thing about watching football is it just the game as a whole is it you know watching it with friends and family what what is it about football that you know, that makes you love it so much i think my favorite thing is just diving deep, being kind of obsessive with it. You know, I rewatch the games. I try to notice and learn things every time when I see a play. I'll rewind it several times to see how this running back twitches or cuts, hits the hole, has patience, how a wide receiver breaks and accelerates out of his routes, and then getting into some analytics, uh, just trying to dig deeper and just learn more about a game that seems so simple but is really extremely complicated. Yeah, I, I've heard stories about transitioning from like college to pro as far as the football player goes, with the offense and defense being so much more complex. Because I'm a Steelers fan, and I've heard so many interviews about how complex Dick LeBeau's defense was, and the rookies would never really contribute on defense their rookie year because it would just take them a full season to really digest what he was teaching. So, yeah, people don't realize it, but, yeah, it's a very complex game. Yeah. By the way, you know, you're in a good place being a Steelers fan right now. You guys look amazing. I'm very curious to see what the defense does. I haven't got to see a full preseason game yet, but you know I'm excited about the offense. You know Ben's in a good place right now. Bell, once he gets back from suspension, I think he'll pick up right where he left off. And I know I'm going to sound biased saying this, but I think Antonio Brown is the best receiver in the NFL right now. You know uh, that's definitely debatable whether he's strictly the best. But he may be the hardest 
to play in coverage. You know, he's so small, he's so so quick, and what he does is amazing. He can do things that the taller guys do. You know, he's not afraid to go up for the catches. He's strong. He can fight through the press coverage. He 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 has almost all of it, but it you know he's short, so that's the only knock you can really have against it. But besides that, his game out of this world. Yeah, to me, he's he's kind of shown that a smaller receiver can can make it in the NFL. And I mean, as far as the rest of the offense goes, you've got you know Martavis Bryant, the the big tall receiver. You've got Marcus Wheaton, who I think is going to do really well in the slot. So I, I think if if the defense can at least be decent, then I, I like our chances to make a, a good playoff run this year. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Ben had his best statistical season of his career. Like you said, you have Martavis Bryant, Marcus Wheaton, the best, probably the best running back in the league, you know. And uh, you guys are definitely in for something big. I'm, I'm very excited. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everything will come to fruition. As a Niners fan, I, I've got to ask, what were your thoughts on, I guess you call it the Jim Harbaugh era, and then him just kind of leaving under bad circumstances? Like, what what were your thoughts on on Jim Harbaugh, and what what do you think of where the Niners are going to be this year? Or what are your expectations? You know, I thought Harbaugh was a great coach. He was. I'm really, you know, tough on his guys because he expected a lot of you. No excuses kind of guy. Just man up and get your work done. And I really like that philosophy style. But it seemed like he started wearing on guys, maybe on the front office. You can't talk to them like you talk to the players. So it was an unfortunate situation. And, you know, when I look at the schedule this year, it's – you know, I'm not going to lie, it's hard to see the Niners winning more than seven or eight games. But, you know, that's okay. We're, we just had a amazing run, you know. So, you know, we could we could be in purgatory of the NFL for a couple of years, you know, in that mid-round range, you know. We've been one of the best franchises in history, and at least we got those, uh, those giants holding us up out here in the Bay. That's true. I, I'm. You guys are just in a tough division. You know, there's Seattle, Arizona's on the rise. St. Louis has a good bit of buzz about them. So, uh, you you guys are are in a tough spot. But you know, I, I still I still like Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback. So, I, I'm I'm very curious to see what the Niners do this year. Yeah, people are ready to you know close the door on Colin Kaepernick. He's a great player. He, in 2012, all these guys that think he's nothing now were saying that he could be the best quarterback of all time. Last year, we just weren't game planning for his strengths, trying to transform him into a pocket passer. And, you know, you can't fit a square peg in a round hole. Yep. And what's funny is he actually kind of saved my fantasy season that year when he took over for Alex Smith. He was... He was on the waiver wire, and no one picked him up, and I was able to. And I, I went on a, a pretty good win streak solely because I picked him up. Because I remember I played him 
that Monday night when he started against Chicago and he just, you know, blew up and then, you know, we all know what happened from there. Yeah, that was that was an incredible run watching that and experiencing that. It's I wish I could go back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I totally understand. And that's a, a good segue into you know what we were mainly going to talk about. But how initially did you find out about fantasy football, and how did you get interested in it? You know, the funny thing about fantasy football is I used to hate it. I used to despise it. I My friends played it, and they wanted me to get into it, and it just made me so mad. I can remember this one specific time. I was watching a 49er game, and one of my friends had Matt Stafford on his uh, fantasy football team. And he kept, he was a supposed Niner fan, and he kept cheering for Matt Stafford to throw touchdowns. And it just, in that moment, it just had me so furious. I was just, I hated fantasy football players. It's so funny. And that same guy convinced me eventually to play. And ever since then, I've been just addicted. Yeah, I I remember the first year I played fantasy was the 2009 season and my friend Willis had played it before and he you know brought it up and he's like, "You know, we we should get some of our friends together and play a fantasy football league." And since we've had that same league ever since and then we made it a keeper league I think 3 years ago. And we've this is our I think 7th or 8th year. Something like that. And ever since then, I tell people there are very few things that are sacred to me. And fantasy football is one of them. Because I just, I don't know what it is. It's just, I guess it's getting together with friends and, you know, watching all the different games and watching our players. And something to follow and look forward to every week is, is just fun. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about fantasy football is you could almost play with anybody. If they're willing to put in some effort, they could do well. Not not the best fantasy football player always wins. You know, you can you can do all the work, you can make all the right decisions, plays and trade and it all just comes down to what happens on the game day and you know, variance is so high in football that anything can happen. Yeah. It is I'll I'll mention this story. I, I don't know if he'll be listening or not, but uh, my friend Luke, who is in the same keeper league, well, during uh, like a couple of years into the league, he got married and then wanted his wife to join the league. And then she had she drafted both Aaron Rodgers and LaShawn McCoy when they had their unbelievable runs, and she made it all the way to the finals. She ended up losing, but I think she only lost like three total games that year. So it's like you said, really anybody can can pick it up and sometimes you know sometimes it's the least experienced that end up doing well. Yeah, it's incredible. It's frustrating sometimes too. That as well. That as well. Yeah, because I, I remember I would get so frustrated because I would spend so much time and energy into researching and, you know, reading sleepers and busts and listening to different podcasts and everything. And then usually the people who would do the least amount of work would end up doing the best. Yeah. People say, you know, keep it simple, but 
I can't. I'm, I'm going to complicate it forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, do you have um, any like funny fantasy stories that say have happened? Like maybe you had some type of really epic win or a really big loss during you know one of, during one of your leagues. Because uh, I'll mention one that I had. Uh, my friend Willis, who I mentioned before, we went head-to-head, and going into uh, Monday night, I had a 60-point lead on him. And he had Michael Vick as his quarterback when he was with Philadelphia. And that Monday night game was the game against the Redskins when he scored like over 60 points. So with one player, he came back and beat me. Wow! Yeah, yeah I, I was furious. I was furious. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, you know, probably my my most interesting day in fantasy was uh, on Fanduel. I uh, I write a column for XNSports.com, which I'll be starting up as soon as we uh, get a little closer to the season. And uh, I was playing Fanduel last year, and it was my uh, it was my first year doing Fanduel. I learned pretty quickly to adapt to the differences. I was uh, almost breaking even every week or making a profit. And uh, I heard about these qualifiers where you get a chance to... uh, This one was you stay in the Playboy Mansion and have a lavish weekend, all expenses paid, and you're competing for a first-place prize of $100,000. So I checked out the tournament, and it was a $20 buy-in, so that's not too bad, but there were about 100,000 people in the tournament, and only the first person would get to go. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wasn't feeling confident at all going in, but I checked stats, worked for hours that week mulling over my plays, and I, of course I was in a bunch of other tournaments as well. And, uh, you know, at this moment, I was playing so many games at that time, I, I can't remember the player, but uh, it was Monday night, and uh, it was near the end of uh, the game, and I checked my FanDuel, and I was in fifth place out of 100,000. And uh, I had one guy left in the game. And uh, I can't believe I can't remember who it was, but I was just acting crazy. I was walking around the room. I couldn't stand still. Just having the chance at this fifth place. And, uh, you know, I never went above that. But uh, the funny thing about that is, the person who ended up winning that contest was P. Miles, the first woman champion in fantasy to win one of these really big tournaments. So I, I didn't win. I, it was the best last worst day of fantasy because I was so close to just, you know, parachuting myself into this, you know, next area of uh, fantasy in the DFS, even though it was my first year. And, it was amazing. The excitement was insane, but the crash was like skydiving without a parachute. So. I can imagine so. But still, to, to make it that high, I mean, not a lot of people can say that. So, I mean, still just making it that high is pretty cool. Yeah, well, the most, the most unfortunate thing was m- most of these tournaments that are qualifiers, they don't have, you know, prizes for still people who didn't get first. But this specific one didn't, so... To get fifth out of a hundred thousand and get nothing was really rough to me when I thought I had a chance of you know all this money. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that does kind of suck. 
but but no that that's uh that's kind of the highs and lows of of fantasy and uh, one thing I, I specifically wanted to uh to mention is you actually report on fantasy sports and how did you get into reporting fantasy football you know it, it all started it, it's something i've thought about for a long time and I, i've always liked writing and uh i i work on a book from time to time that i've been working on for the past couple of years and i found myself just being so obsessed with fantasy i was at the point i'm making my own rankings i'm doing projections and I, I'm seeing that, you know, I'm doing a lot of work and I see these guys that are, you know, writing articles and putting out advice and I, I'm doing all the work they're doing. You know, I'm doing my projections. I'm obsessing. I, you know, I follow all the B reporters. I read every report. I stay up every day, you know, just focusing on it and just literally being obsessive. That's the only way you can really put it. And, you know, I just said, you know, I could do this. And I just started writing on my own. I made my site last year, thirddown.com. That's three R down.com. And uh, the rest is history. From like week, I think it was four or five on, I did the daily fantasy advice just on my page. And then week, I think it was nine or ten, uh, this website, Fantasy Draft, uh, they, they asked me to write some pieces for them. So I started doing that. I did that into the playoffs a little, and then, you know, that kind of gave me the – after they gave me a chance to, you know, be like, I'm going to try to, you know, write for a little bigger site. So I applied to a couple, and uh, fortunately uh, over at XN Sports, they liked one of my pieces, and it was a site that I always enjoyed. I'm a fan of a couple of their writers, and uh, I just uh, communicated with them sent them some pieces, we talked it over, and now I'm, you know, writing for them, and I'm going to be doing a daily fantasy for them as well this uh, coming season. That's fantastic. And, yeah, I, I'm following you on Twitter, and I'm actually looking at your uh, top 150 rankings you have on your on your website. How tough is it to rank players when they haven't even really played football yet? Because it's really just – the preseason rankings are really kind of a guess. I mean, you have years past to go off of, but how, how tough is it to do fantasy rankings? It's really hard. It's really hard. You know, I, uh, I start with my projections and, uh, I redo those over several times. You know, I do target catch rate, uh, a couple other factors I like to put into it. And I work through it every day. I look at the news every day and adjust them. And it took me about a month to piece together. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it's a lot of guesswork when you get a little lower on it, especially when you're getting into rookies and stuff. So all you can really use is the history, uh, the offense they're in, the coordinator, the quarterback. You know, there's a lot of factors you have to really think hard about and just factor it all in because the, the thing is you know there's intangibles that can't be put into numbers and I think that's the most difficult part of you know fantasy because there's a lot of people that you know are really good at math that don't understand fantasy because they, they don't understand these in, intangibles and these other factors that go into a game that's true yeah I, I've 
I've tried to do projections before just to see if I could do it, and it made me respect what you and other fantasy analysts do because it's it is really tough. And a couple of things I wanted to ask you about this season. Who are some players off the top of your head that you might be a little bit higher on than, say, other analysts or just what the general hype has been, and then maybe some that you aren't as high on? Okay, um, let's see. I, I, we can start with someone who's not, you know, a super sleeper or anything, but someone who I think is definitely undervalued, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, on the Texans, he's got insane targets that are going to be thrown around with Andre Johnson gone, and that doesn't even factor in the fact that now we don't know what's up with Arian Foster and his injury. And I, 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 I legitimately think he could lead the league in targets this year. And, you know, he's really athletic. Last year, it, w- it would be incredible. I'd see Andre Johnson get, you know, 12 targets and have, like, five catches for 50 yards and it'd be two targets for Hopkins and he have like 150 yards or like a hundred yards and a touchdown or something like that. The, the guy's electric and he, he's due for a breakout. I, I've heard a little bit about him, but yeah, I, I like that because I, I haven't heard that much about him and I, I know he, you know, he did pretty well last year. So I'll, I'll definitely keep that in mind for, uh, for drafts, but what may do you have some others that you might be higher on than most? Yeah, um, as far as running backs go, one guy I really like is Chris Ivory. I uh, I actually wrote a piece about him earlier in the season where I uh, delve into this uh, new little metric I invented called missed tackle rate, and uh, he's a uh, second in the league behind Marshawn Lynch in missed tackles per uh, contact, which is uh, extremely impressive. And it's one of those things I try to use to weed out the better backs because, you know, the line, it's what they say, line blocks the first four yards. It's what you get after that that defines you as a running back. So uh, I really like him. I think he's going to be the lead guy in, out there in uh, New York, no question. He's just He's a better player. Stephen Ridley's coming off the injury. <clears throat> the injury. Zach Stacy is, you know, he he's not even going to make the team most likely anymore. So I, I think he has a pretty clear uh, path to success. Another guy I like is Doug Martin. You know, he's super undervalued. You can get him for pretty cheap. And he's already been told that he will be the back for the first two downs. You know, you have Charles Simmons, the third down back, but he didn't show much last year, so Dunbarton could even develop into a three-down back. But he's entering a year where he's going to have a more explosive offense. He has Seamus Winston who's going to huck the ball up there. He's going to get it to Vincent Jackson like he did in the preseason. And Mike Evans, they're going to bring it down, and I I could just see him getting a ton of goal offense this year. He's one of mine, too. I I think he's extremely extremely undervalued and I mean we've seen him have success with his rookie year and like you said with the offense being better and you know the offensive line can't get really any worse so I mean it can only get better so I I, I like I like Doug Martin a lot this year yeah he's looking really good 
if you're looking for a super sleeper, this guy I really like that uh, nobody's on is, you know, Traveris Cadet. He's the passing back on the Patriots. He's the one who I think is going to fill the Vereen role. I, you know, I actually wrote an article about him as well. You can find it on xmsports.com. And his efficiency is through the roof. You know, you think of Shane Vereen as being a very efficient back, and Traveris' Cadet efficiency uh, fantasy points over expected per target is actually higher than Shane Vereen. And, you know, there's a lot of hype with James White. People think he's going to be the guy. But, you know, I doubt it. He was around last year. He didn't get any work at all. And they specifically went out to go get Traveris Cadet. They really wanted him. Belichick picked him out. And I, I don't see why they would go get him if they thought they had a good solution on their own roster. No, that's true. I, I agree. So what uh, what about some players that you may not be as high on as others? For me, the way I find those guys is I, I don't like to base any opinion or thoughts or decisions on what I don't know. The, the main guy, what I don't know, is Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. He, his injury, you know, he's going to play week one. Oh, he might miss week one. He might miss week two. Now, you know, he might not play in September. We don't really know when this guy is going to come back. We haven't seen it. And even if he does come back, we've never seen him healthy in an offense. And, you know, I think he's being drafted in about the third round right now. And to me, that's just, that's ridiculous. Another guy I'm really uh, low on is people are trying to sell Bishop Sankey as a, as a sleeper right now, a value pick, and you know that that's uh, that's fake right there. That, you know, uh, <laughs> fake gold right there. You know, I think David Cobb might overtake him. He's uh, he was a better back in college, and even with Mariota present, you know, it's it's just not going to help. That offense is not going to turn around in one year. You know, I I'm not the biggest Wizard Hunt fan either, and. Uh, you know, I just I, I haven't seen anything I've liked from Sankey and Tate either. Yeah, I, I was high on Bishop Sankey last year and I remember I actually traded him for Brandon Cooks, who I'm now keeping in my uh in my keeper league, which he he's another person that I'm high on too, because he, he was actually on his way to being a decent fantasy receiver before he got hurt. Yeah, I love Brandon Cooks this year. He is gonna he's gonna do really well in that offense. Jimmy Graham's gone. Um, they made it clear in the preseason. They got him the ball quickly, quick and early. That he's gonna be a key cog in their offense. He, you know, people were saying Drew Brees is falling off, but they they forget that he passed for the most yards in the league last season. Yeah, I, I had I had Breeze as my quarterback last year, and he he did have I guess compared to how he normally does, he had a bit of a down year. But as far as people saying that he's done, I I don't buy that. But I I think Brandon Cooks is going to have a really nice season. Yeah, you know I don't, I don't think he's done either. I think I hear it a lot from the fantasy people, and I can understand you know in the fantasy playoffs championship you know he he didn't do well he had three bad games in a row and that's going to scar you and you're you're not going to forget about that yeah when you're doing a draft 
do you have the mindset of I'm taking a certain position person, uh, position player first? Like, or do you always have to take a running back first, have to take a receiver first, or do you go strictly best player available? Like, going into a draft, what is your draft strategy in general? Okay, so my first goal is if I can find players I like, I will go running back first three rounds. And that's only if I can get the guys that I really like. Because uh, one of the things in fantasy is there, there's no absolute rule. You know, you sometimes you have to dig when other people zag. If you find yourself, you know, late in the, like, uh, first and you're already at, uh, uh, like, maybe the 12th pick and all, you know, there was a huge running back uh, run where everybody's just snatching up running back and there's, you know, Julio Jones or Des Bryant sitting right there. You know, that's going to be really hard to do. But, you know, if, if you are that late, the nice thing is, is you got those two picks in a row. So if that happens to me and, you know, there's not any good running backs that I really like, I'll probably grab a guy like C.J. Anderson who falls a lot, you know, late, and then I'll pair him with maybe even uh, Dez or Julio if I can make that happen. But if I get, you know, that 1.5, 1.6 spot, I'm probably going to go running back, running back, because, you know, then I know I can get either Lacey, uh, maybe even Bell or Charles. Uh, one, those are my three top targets right there. And then uh, Marshawn Lynch. So I'm going to try to get one of those guys. That's that's, that's where I want to, you know, start my fantasy team. After that, I'm looking in the second round. I'm trying to get DeMarco Murray or Jeremy Hill. And after that, you know, the tier breaks up a little. Those After those guys, you know, there's there's a great deal of fall-off. You have Justin Forsett. You know, he's a pretty good second-round pick, too. But, you know, he's been falling to the third lately, so, you know, you might not have to reach for him. But uh, basically, you just got to let the chips fall and adjust. You know, you got to take every piece of information and just, you know, the most important thing is when people draft, they freak out. You know, you need to stay calm, just relax, just do what feels right. Get a player that fits your strategy because everybody has different strategies. Typically, my reasoning that I say you should go running back, running back, is that it's harder to find those workhorse running backs than it is to find a wide receiver that can produce on any given week. The thing is, is the running backs, you know... (coughs) Excuse me. You know, the running backs, there's, uh, even if, let's say that there were 32 workhorse running backs, that's 32 players on any given week that, you know, might have the best score. There's 64 wide receivers that can produce on any given week, and they have the same amount of positions that you're setting them up for on your squad. So, you know, the scarcity comes in with the running back, and that's why I usually try to go early on them. Yeah, and also because of the way the NFL is, there aren't that many workhorse running backs anymore. It's more by a committee, so you have to get those guys like the Jamal Charles, the Marshawn Lynch. You have to get those guys early because something I've noticed in every mock I've done this season is after the first seven or eight picks, that as far as the top-tier running backs go, it kind of falls off fairly quickly. Yeah, there's 
there's definitely a ledge. Yeah, and uh, that that's why sometimes you know you have to you have to get the better the better wide receiver because you know I mean if you can get Des Bryant or Julio Jones, I mean those are if I, if I have to get a wide receiver and I can't get a running back, I like those are the two guys I'm gonna get. Right. I just I just the way the offense is or, or Antonio Brown, of course. Just the way the, uh, the offense is built around those guys, they're the focus, and, you know, I, I think all three of them are in for career years. I think so, too. If you had the number one overall pick, who would you take? I'm taking Jamal Charles every time. Yeah, I, I had him a few years ago, and he he did really, really well. And what what is the reasoning for Jamal Charles? He never disappears. You know, unless he's off the field because he's injured, he never disappears. He's a part of the game plan. The, the team has been run around him for years, and it's going to stay that way. That's what they how they want to do it. They want to play good defense and run the ball, and they're going to keep doing it. He excels out of the backfield. He catches a ton of passes. He just, you know, he said it himself, you know, he's the LeBron James. He does it all. That's actually a really good comparison. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, he he actually uh, said it himself. He said he pro- self-proclaimed himself the LeBron of the NFL, and you know I can't argue. <laughs> no, that's that's the good comparison. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, last thing, would you like to plug your your website and your uh, your social media for those that uh, might be interested in reading your work? Yeah, check me out on Twitter at thirddown.com. That's at three r down dot. Oh, I mean, uh, sorry about that. That's at thirddown.com, but the dot is spelled out D-O-T. So 3rdowndot.com, that's my Twitter, and then thirddown.com is my website, and uh, my daily fantasy pieces and uh, all my articles will be up on xnsports.com. Fantastic. Well, Matt, thank you very much for coming on the show. I know I, I had a lot of fun talking fantasy football and i thought you gave some very good advice so for those that are listening definitely check out uh, his work if you're looking for uh advice on your upcoming fantasy drafts so thanks again matt yeah thanks for having me on it was a great time talking fantasy you seem to have some knowledge my thanks again to matt dalkin for coming on and having that amazing conversation about fantasy football it's something that i can discuss for hours and hours and never get tired of it and don't forget to check out his work at thirddown.com and don't forget you can check out this show every thursday on itunes and stitcher radio just search for the Derek diamond experience and we have a new website in the works called ddepodcast.com you can also find me on facebook search for the Derek diamond experience as well as my new twitter handle at dde underscore podcast and that's all i've got so enjoy the rest of your week have a safe and fun weekend thank you once again for tuning in to the Derek diamond experience i am your host Derek diamond and we'll see you guys next thursday (laughs) 